Okay, so this podcast is recorded in a house with animals, one of whom is currently licking the living daylights out of Ursula's hands for no... Hands or your pants? Hands. 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 Yeah, well, no. Every so often, Ursula will, like, eat chips or something and wipe them on her pants, and then one of the hounds... Is, I, it's not like I'm like rubbing Cheetos on my thighs or anything. No, it's it's, it's just, just that that absent. Oh yeah, I've got to dust my hands off gesture, yeah. and then you've got a hound like licking you relentlessly. Yes, in so. case there's just a fragment of Cheeto dust or something. So yeah, so animals happen. Uh, I have just appeased the cats with food. That doesn't mean they'll stay appeased, but it is what it is. Hound, do not try to climb on my lap while I'm on the rolly ball thing. It will end poorly for all of us. Oh, hey, here we go. Yeah, see, that's that's also something that happens. So. Be aware. Be aware. Yes, you're beautiful hound. The other thing to be aware of is that we swear. Oh. Often at the cats and just in general. So consider this PG-13 for strong language. We're not going to get anything nasty, but as I've stated before, there are only two settings on iTunes oh, and all the different play stores that's explicit and clean, and we have to mark it explicit. So, hi, welcome to Productivity Alchemy episode 89. I have a new pair of glasses. So soft ears. Yay, glasses! And the dog has soft ears. Yeah, now there's the complication that uh, my prescription changed after like two years on my left eye. And so that means that I'm a little, I'm still getting used to being able to see. And occasionally it has, it has met with uh, a slight headache or, and I mean, I've only had the glasses for like uh, at this point in time, uh, an hour and a half. Right. So I'm still getting used to them. The The weird thing is, of course, I have uh, progressives, which is the fancy way of saying no line trifocals. And as such, that means that if I have something nearby, I have to look through different parts of my glasses. And I was really used to it with the other ones because I basically had the same shape, the same, you know, the prescription hadn't changed that much. This time there's a significant change. And so every so often I'll go to glance at something like I would with my old glasses and I'm looking through the wrong zone, or I have to re I have to relearn how to focus through that section of my glasses again. It's uh, it's an interesting thing. Also, Jacob got new glasses today, which yes. he needed. His old glasses not only were falling apart, but he starts driver's head on Monday. Oh, dear God. <laughs> and uh, as such, I thought it was important for him to have, have uh, fresh glasses and to be able to see. Now, are they actually going to teach him to drive? Or is this one of those driver's ed classes where they make them watch like 300 hours of videos and then they assume they know how to drive already? Oh, no. No, there will be practical driving. And I, I talked to the actually the person who coordinated it. No, I don't know if she's necessarily the instructor. But she's certainly the person who coordinated it. And she was like, oh, yeah, no, uh, I, I asked about that. And she was very clear in that that it was all inclusive. So there would be the classroom part and there would be the actual physical driving part. And it'll be a smaller class size than the, the other ones. So there will be one on one instructor time. And the words uh, about older kids going first. And since Jacob will be one of the older kids there, since his birthday is very early in the school year, and he's he's going to be 18 next year. Terrifying. So he, he's probably going to be one of the first through the driving, driving portion of it. Wait, I thought his birthday was like at the end of the year, like October or something. Yeah. Oh, I guess that is the early in the school year. That is very, that's like one month into the school year. Yeah. Oh, so what you're meant to say is that he's going to be 18 this year. Yes. Sorry, I was thinking school years. Oh, yeah. No, that's... Yeah, that's, that's much worse, isn't it? Yeah. 
Well, I I hope he has a better experience in driver's ed than I did. Uh, yeah, I I I won't say my experience was the best. We will compare we will compare and contrast now. Uh, I was a drug mule. I was taught by the the classroom by the football coach and the driving by the golf and baseball coach. There was that surreal moment when the um the football coach got up in front of us after a test on the classroom part and and said there are morons out there with driver's licenses and i know y'all ain't no morons so i don't understand why y'all did so bad on this test but not a drug mule yeah it was a drug mule yeah did you, did you have any classroom or was it all just you were driving for the guy who was I was driving for the guy, and he kept stopping at various places and going off the clock, and uh, I figured out by about the second or third session that, oh, we were running drugs. He'd found a really good cover. So he did. Yeah. yeah. On the other hand... I just brought a book. It just seemed easier. I was going to say that that would explain so much about your, your driving. You are... I am the most cautious driver you will ever meet. Because... He didn't want any excuse to get pulled over. Well, he had a great thing because no one was going to pull him over for erratic driving because of the student driver thing. So it was actually, you know, a, a very clever uh, setup. Um, yeah, but... He was caught, like, you know, before I I graduated. Not by me, incidentally. There are people I don't piss off. And, yeah, no uh, kidding. We... He had figured out that I had figured out and the price of my lessons went down substantially. <laughs> So, as far as I was concerned, it was a fine deal because I was getting half price driver's lessons. There you go. Uh, but anyway, um, the uh, then the second time I learned to drive, because I got my driver's license and then didn't have a car. Oh, yeah. Uh, my friend Alan, actually. So, you took a refresher course. Uh, well, by refresher course, we mean Alan, my friend, who you yeah. met, taught me to drive in his elderly Ford Tempo. Gotcha. And the that's, ironic race car. And that's why when you drive my car, you drive it upright, leaning over the steering wheel like an old lady, and do not cross the, the speed limit as if your life depended on it. Whereas are, are the poor we car. The drug, uh, the drug thing or Alan for this point? A little from column A, a little from column B. I, I yeah. And, yeah, you know, I mean, it, it's kind of expected in the pickup truck, but it, I'm when you I don't lean over the steering wheel in the pickup truck nearly as much as I do <laughs> in your car, because your car is on the ground and I can't see anything. Yeah, but you're you're always sort of upright in sort of that old lady pose that very look, some of us were born about 50. That's fair. And I am one of them. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's it was just funny because the last time you drove my car, I think it was coming home from a tattoo appointment. I'd had yeah. drugs, but I'm texting our friend Carlotta, going, "Oh my god, <laughs> have you noticed how Ursula drives?" And she's like, "I know, right?" <laughs> I want to point out one thing though. How many tickets have you had in the last decade? Ever. Hold on, math is hard. How many accidents have you been in? Uh, one accident. One failure to yield that may have resulted in someone else having an accident. 
three uh, expired tags, I think six or seven speeding tickets, and um, driver's license revoked twice. I've never had a ticket. In the last ten years, though... Since you married me. Since I married you. Well, no, no. I, I fixed the speeding problem before I met you because I did finally do the thing where you go down and stand in front of a judge and talk to the DA because I was going to enter a prayer for judgment and I didn't feel like paying a lawyer to go down and enter a prayer for judgment on my behalf when I could go down and do it myself. And I stood in front of the judge and she said, what are you there for? And I said, speeding, ma'am. Or your honor. And she said, and uh, have you had any tickets before? Uh, yes, ma'am. What for? Speeding last year, ma'am, and spe speeding the year before, ma'am. She says, and you're, and she looked at me, she said, slow learner. Yes, ma'am, I'm trying to be better. She granted my prayer for judgment. <laughs> I then decided that speeding excessively was not something I wanted to do, so I have been very, very good about using the cruise control to set my speed limit to within acceptable parameters to the highway patrol. And yet you still keep buying these cars, the only purpose of which is to go very fast. There are, there are points where there are highways where you can go 80 and... You're, you're being a danger for going too slow. I point out to Highway 540 in Raleigh. Uh, the US-1 stretch between Sanford and Raleigh, uh, also a 70-mile-per-hour zone, and if you're going 80, you yes, will get tailgated. Yes, yes. I'll, yeah. uh, one of these days, you must take your car to either Texas or Montana. Oh, God, yes. And just open up and get it out of your system. Oh, I, I had to do that once. Somebody was tailgating me on US one, and I was I had my my cruise at seventy nine miles per hour. There was no one else. He could have passed me at any time, but he sat on my butt, and he sat on my butt for like three miles. And I was like, fine. And I tapped right for like thirty seconds. I I added some gas, and then I looked and realized I was doing a hundred miles per hour. And I took my foot off the gas, and I coasted back down to 79, and I realized that he was also a mile behind me at that point. And it took him a good 15, 20 minutes to catch up, but he didn't tailgate me that time. <laughs> See, my method when doing this is simply to slow down to five miles under the speed limit, and every time they draw closer, I drop another five miles, and they learn very quickly that if they back off, I go faster. If a Mustang GT is going to tailgate me like that and he needs a lesson, I'm going to give him a lesson. It's that big open stretch where you can see for five miles at a time. There were no cops. I made sure of that. Because if there were cops, oh, he would have had us both. Easy. I just want to point out <laughs> that while you were getting in a dick-waving contest with a Mustang, my truck is bigger than both of your dicks. Oh yeah, no kidding. Your your truck could just roll right up, slap it into four wheel, not that it would need to, roll over both our dicks and keep going. I mean, 
you know, there's a... When, wait, wait, are we talking about your car or your dick at this point? I'm really confused. Kind of both. Yeah, and, it's, um, it's got... Maybe we should answer some letters. This is a letters <laughs> show, and well, I feel we've gotten off topic. But the, but the whole idea is, this is one of those little adjustments that's going to impact my productivity. Oh, uh, what, your kid going to driving school? And and my new glasses, because now I oh, have to, yeah. to adapt to them, and I've already, you know, like, I... Was he? He was saying he was a little dizzy because his his eyes were still adjusting to be able to see properly again. I've had a little bit of a headache. That's going to impact my productivity, but in the long run, it's going to be better for me, for my health, for my, uh, for the eye fatigue I'm getting later in the day now. Did I have a, a proper prescription? Way to bring it back home. I was I was going there from the beginning. We just got sidetracked with the, with the cars. So how were you productive this week? I mean, I had a I had a second job interview and I finished my code homework and and or no, it was a, a interview for a different job that got a second interview. So yeah. yeah. Uh not as productive as I'd like. I mm-hmm. I I got a th- my thousand words done today, okay. and I've been working on edits for one of the books I sold the tour. That's mm-hmm. uh, that I want to get them out before we go to China. Yeah, yeah. But. Uh, feel like I've been a real slacker this week. Yeah, but uh, so but you rewarded yourself this week. Uh, for hand yeah, cuz I had to hand in, you know, have read everything in and mm-hmm. and yeah, there was a and I was like, god damn it, I have done good work. I am going to the plant nursery now that it is warm enough and buying plants. And then there was a little bit of a cold snap, but that didn't Not stop you. Cold enough to, to yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. It, it didn't crack freezing. So. But you did reward yourself for for that particular milestone. Yes. And you spent yesterday doing a lot of the planting of those plants. I absolutely did. And uh, didn't we do something else yesterday? We started the packing yesterday. Oh yes, that we, was. We gathered yeah. everything up and we started the packing. And you you were working on some new designs for merch. That mm-hmm. we're going to see how those come out before we do a big talk about that. Yeah. Uh, but well, actually, uh, no. We we can talk okay, about yeah, that a little. Ahead, um, ahead, yeah. It's not a new design. Uh, the I do all my prints these days through Topotico, which mm-hmm. is a company that does like artist fulfillment. And they've and been they have a long history with web comics people. They do. They, they really do. do. Yeah. Uh, they're founded by a web comics guy, and they're they're fabulous to work with. Mm-hmm. And yeah, sales have definitely gone down substantially since I started handling it myself. Just because you mean stopped handling uh, it since I stopped handling it myself, just because um, you know there was a, a certain amount of personnel thing and, mm-hmm. and i had a website you know set up and it's it's uh, easier things were a little easier to sort you were you were also producing more art i was producing more art. i was also much more miserable you were um i had mail days and print days when all i was doing was printing things mm-hmm. um the the mailing days got very bad uh and i needed to sort it out before my my uh the place where i shipped everything my packaging place where i would just go drop stuff off and they would run a tab they closed so i was gonna have to do it all by hand you know and it was, which oh yeah a nightmare it was a mess yeah so uh i contacted topotico one day out of the blue and i was like they will never have heard of me wait didn't they contact you once and say hey you're doing a lot of print you're like oh no i've got it it's fine now and then a couple of years went by i don't think that happened i think that happened i don't think it did i see uh well i don't recall that okay anyway the point is i contacted them more or less out of the blue and was like save me i have like you know two or three hundred designs i i can't keep up i have just become a person who runs prints 
Um, and, I, and the thing is, I, I've been making a lot less art just in general because the hamster... I, I really burned out on drawing from the Hamster Princess books. Yeah, you're starting to recover a little. I a guess. little. I've been doing the, the... Well, it wasn't Hamster Princess. It was Dragon Breath and then Hamster Princess, just one yeah. on top of the other. And that was a lot of art. Like, mm-hmm. that was over 1,600 drawings, I think, in a very compressed... Uh, I guess it would be 1,700 drawings in a very compressed... Uh, amount of time and i was just i'm so sick of drawing and uh, i wasn't you know and and then when the books started to sell i was like i i much prefer words because even though i am i'm not going to say necessarily a super talented artist and stop all of you about to argue I am very, my art is very effective at what it does and clever and clever. It, it is clever. It is. I, I am not going to stand next to Michelangelo, but I do cute little. You can cartoons. you can. Yeah, I was going to say you can stand up and say I am a cartoonist. Oh, absolutely. And the thing is, I have the potential to be a good artist if I happen to have my entire life to devote to it. Or I could be a good writer if I wanted to devote my entire life to that. And I thought writing would probably be more fun. Anyway, uh, it, it's I could have done either thing and I've sort of moved towards the writing. I still do some art. I, I, there are things I still enjoy, but the point is what I did not enjoy was running prints mm-hmm. and fighting the printer and mailing things. And oh, so I threw myself on Depotico's mercy and they were like, yeah, this is what we do is fulfillment. And so we set everything up and that, I mean, that was a pain in the ass. There was a big infrastructure mm-hmm. move. You know, I had to set up all the, the uh, art whatnot. And now I just get a check every quarter and yeah. it's not a huge check. You know, it, it's probably maybe... A third of what I was making before, but I got like three days of my week back. Well, yeah, but you think think of that third that you're not getting that they're doing, that was in hours of your work. Exactly. Right? And the thing yeah. is that also I'm not paying for shipping mm-hmm. and materials, which a lot which would have eaten the other third. So yeah. it's really, yeah. you know, it's worked out great. Anyway, I uh, they were, you know, sent out the checks recently and uh, they were like, Hey, it's slow. You have any merch designs? Give a yell. And I have been thinking about doing enamel pins again because artist enamel pins are huge. But what stops me is even though I could absolutely run a Kickstarter for one, and I'm confident that it would probably fund because my fans are lovely people, the notion of mailing all of those pins gave me the screaming high. Oh, my God. Yeah. And I was like, hey, Topotico, do you do that sort of thing? A Kickstarter for one like that. And I'm like, yeah, we have an entire sub company that does that. Here, we'll loop them in. I'm like, oh, because I was, well, they're like, yeah, what do you have in mind? I was like, well, I was thinking enamel pins. And they were like, the return on enamel pins is sufficiently, like, risk-free that forget the Kickstarter unless you want to build up things, you know, build up momentum. We'll just do it. Yeah. And wholesale you, you know, (laughs) a couple hundred for cons or whatever. And I'm like, yes, let us do this thing. Yeah, because I I remember you saying that the actual cost of the enamel pins – when you did them last time was the the profit margin was ridiculous uh it's not super ridiculous it's not like it is for prints mm-hmm. but i or anything but it's no it's not ridiculous i, I you're misremembering Sorry. maybe maybe it's something else i was i, I, I think was it's probably prints tend I mean, to be a fairly good profit margin prints, prints yeah i knew if prints, the printer works yeah but the pins it was it was the pins are a solid seller. Stop. There is there's no risk on it. If I, I if I yeah. make a pin, someone will buy the pin eventually and yeah. they, they don't I remember that first year it was like printing money though. Yeah. 
yeah, yeah. You do good. like a run of 500 and they ran like a dollar something each and we you sell them for five and yeah which was yeah. great uh it's just that uh that then you know everybody, everybody had those copies and we weren't making necessarily new pins yeah we so, yeah yeah and so we had a lot of stock and then i, I finally i ran out of the biting pair pins and the biting pair has always been my best seller and mm-hmm. i was like well i was thinking of redoing you know the biting pair and they're like send us the art file so i sent them the file actually i couldn't find the file so i read the file and sent it to them and they're like we are literally putting an order together now. We'll, <laughs> we'll do it right now. You want it in silver? Uh, you know, and I'm yeah. like, yeah, that's what, here's a photo. Here's what it was before. They're like, great. We'll scale it up to an inch and a quarter. And done. Yeah. And it's like, that's just handled. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. my God. Now I don't have to like think I would really love to do pins, but. I would have to deal with all this stuff. So that opens up a lot of, of possibilities and that I'm oh, looking yeah. forward to. But everything, honestly, is kind of on hold till after we get back from China. I am hoping to finish a book. Okay, I have to finish edits on this one thing before I go to China. Okay, right. that, that's That's got to be done. That's a given, yeah. I would love to finish the Fluffy Paladin Romance before we go so I can mm-hmm. hand it to my editor. I don't know if that means I get to publish it when I get back because there's some stuff about uh, the the period of time before Saga publishes there. So we're all kind of, you know, trying to figure out where it falls and various things. And so, you you know, y'all might get a weird novella instead at some point, but it would be nice to have it done. And then I could just drop it whenever. But eh. anyway, so today I got back in the groove for that and felt good about it. Mm -hmm. And and we should answer some questions. We should. And I, I just want to point out that uh, the decision to switch to, to Topodico was one of those, my time is worth, not that their time isn't worth money, obviously, because they take their cut, but they are a service who can do something a lot more efficiently and a lot better than we can and save us a lot of time and yeah, I do yeah. not begrudge them a dime they no, make on no. it. It's, it's all time mm-hmm. that, like... My life got so much easier after that. I I can barely remember those dark days. Probably everyone else can remember them much better than I can with the screaming and the printer and the screaming. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Although anytime I have printer problems now, I know the one person who absolutely positively can debug them. It's the only tech skill I have. <laughs> I can fix an Epson printer. You can. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is partly why I bought the Epson for the the new when I bought a new office printer partly because I was tired of paying HP for a new desk jet every that was an orange cat trying to jump up on the back of my chair getting my jacket instead of the chair and having the jacket go out from under her so now she's walked over to the dog to say like I meant to do that and the dog is grooming her so we're going to take a break while I go get something to recover my blood sugar levels yes yeah oh my god We are back. We have letters. And I think 
I'm hoping I don't have any any duplicates. I've been migrating mail servers, so and it's been a little bit of a challenge and a little weird at times. So uh, at one point, all of my letters for Productivity Alchemy got shoved into a different folder, so I kind of had to rebuild that. So hopefully I'm not going through any duplicates. I checked dates just to be sure. So from episode 84, uh, which was our last letters episode, Woo! Mira wrote in to say that I really loved Ursula's discussion about various types of genre fiction. I love hearing seeing experts be super competent in their field, except if it's my except if it's my dentist doing my cleaning. Uh, <laughs> I would listen to hours of Ursula talking about books. Aw, well, yeah. as KUEC gets harder and harder on our system, you may. Sometimes I think I should just throw it all over and become like a Twitch streamer or something. Uh, yeah, maybe. I don't know. Um, I always like Lois McMaster Buljold's classification of mysteries being described as fantasies of justice, and science fiction as fantasies of political agencies great discussion uh by joe walton and there's a link there's a link so I'll, tor.com I'll on tor.com yeah I'll, so I'll, I'll put that in um i also read the description of the twisted ones and even the blurb scared the pants off me blair Witch was the first and only horror movie i ever saw and it freaked me out for years so the twisted ones hooked right into some tender parts of the back brain some things just have the cheat codes for your brain I, I wish to clarify, any of my readers who can't handle horror, it is really totally okay to sit this one out. Oh, yeah. I don't want you to hurt yourselves. Please don't. Uh, uh, thank you, Mira, for the mm -hmm. lovely, lovely comments. Um, mm -hmm. I, uh, I, Louis McMaster Bouchon said nice things about my books once, and I someday I will recover. <laughs> um, but yeah, but if you can't do horror and you're a little freaked out, it is totally okay not to read this one. I will continue writing books that you will hopefully enjoy that will only have the standard horror elements that you've found in a lot of my work uh it is okay if this one is too scary don't hurt yourself just right. to read it yeah yeah um all right this one is from michelle uh hi i just finished listening to the episode with the lovely aussie that was a great episode she was so adamant about the planner pad that i decided to check it out I've been bullet journaling about a year and a half, and I've reduced my writing from monthly, weekly, daily spreads to weekly, daily, to weekly, to bare minimum week on a page, etc. But lately, I don't even want to fill out that bare minimum on paper, but I still want to see my week at a glance. Note, this is just for personal stuff. My work stuff is all in org mode Emacs. Yes, yes, org mode Emacs. Kevin yes. is throwing the goat. Throwing the goat. Well, yeah, club Emacs. Um... <laughs> The planner pad looked like a great idea, but it's a little too wide. I want to be able to stuff it into a Kokayu notebook cover. Ooh, there's a link. Um, uh, hat tip to Tobias Buckel's tool page. Man, I read I read some of his short stories as I hadn't, and oh my god. Oh, he's very good. He's brilliant, yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll have a link for that. Anyway, I'm enamored of the notebook cover and the pen holder, so anything new needs to fit. The planner pad is a tad too wide. They do have a slightly less wide version, but it's decorated and fugly. Nice. Good use of the term fugly. But looking at it reminded me of a planner I used almost 20 years ago. I dug out a link to that. It's a Harvard planner, weak spread, wire bound, lots of lines, boxes, and it seemed to fit. And I'm going to call your planner pad webpage as dated and see you the Harvard page, which has not been updated since I first started using them. <laughs> and there's a link. And no, I went on this thing. And um, first off, they haven't updated the actual, like other thing than like the occasional order link since I think 19 or uh, since like 2016, because they're still saying, look at the 2017 version. And it makes GeoCities, 
and angel fire pages look complex and beautiful. Wow. It is it is painful. Um, were there rotating gifts? There were no gifts. Like even the image, the product images did not load consistently. It was like something out of 1994 before we discovered rotating gifts. Oh, yeah. Those days of innocence. Yeah, no, it's it's it's. It, well, here I, I I have the link right here. I I. I Oh no! You need to see is this. Is it really horror. good radio to make a, me look at the internet while? No, look. There's a there's a, that's an animated GIF in the corner. It was animating. This yes. This one's no. It's not. It was it reload took, the page. It took a really long time to load. Reload the page. See? Oh no! That is an animated. Yes. Oh ah. wow! All right. So you, yes. <laughs> Dude, cycle. don't you don't you try to wow. claim I can't spot an animated. I didn't gift. even I didn't even notice that. I had that. an angel fire yeah. page. Yeah, but I mean, look at this. I mean, it's boring, but uh, it, look when you've seen. Okay, that is a broken uh, image. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, look when you've seen. Uh, you know who's really bad at these things is science pages. Oh God! Yes, like like every little tiny grassroots science conservation organization has a terrible website, and I really want to fix their websites. And I actually got so worked up about it one day that I went to the um uh, uh guy who runs the Alongside Wild Foundation, right, right, which uh, David David Steen and uh, and honestly, I highly recommend Alongside Wild. It is a little tiny. Uh, citizen, you know, science-supported group. There we go. I will, I will put in a link. And it, it, basically, they get their stuff through Patreon and donations, and they... This then is, just, yeah, no, this is kind of nice. Yeah. And then they just go and give money to, you know, little tiny, com- you know, scientists are like, look, I need 500 bucks to set up camera traps in Indonesia, and they're like, here's your 500 bucks. And it's all little tiny, you know, sort of sort micro of grants. Yeah. No, they're not even loans. They're micro grants. Micro grants, okay. For science. Yeah. And they do such good work. It's like well, these people only need very small amounts of money to do what they – it's just they don't happen to have, you know, the thousand bucks or whatever, the 500. Or, and web skills. They have no web skills. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. anyway, the other thing is that there was the website problem. And I went and I was like, look, if you guys, you know, I – is there a way you can do something like a, a – a web design scholarship or something, you know, uh, uh, we will re, you know, hire someone to redesign their webpage, something. And I, I will donate money to this and get my friends to do it. I, you know, I know people who will, will help. Back oh yeah. This. Yeah. And, and he's like, you know, I, and, and I will give him all the credit in the world. He's like, I thought about this from every possible angle. And he, and he's like, the problem is, People aren't asking for it, and we can we can't just go out and like attack people and say fix your website. It's like it would be fine to have the thing, but we can't make people know their website is bad. You know, it's like it, yeah, the, the demand yeah. isn't there. It, it this is a thing that needs to come from the bottom up. We can't impose it on them from the top down. I he's like, I really wish I could help because I know exactly what you're talking about. You know, it's like if it's. I want to – the people who do the giant, like, Palouse earthworm, it's a freaking giant earthworm. Oh, yeah, yeah. I want to donate money. And the thing is, I could get people on Twitter excited about the giant earthworm. I could have raised them $1,000 for the giant earthworm just right. through impassioned tweeting. And 
but the only way to donate to them is to mail a physical check. Yeah. Oh no, no, no. Yeah, There's... it's like just, just a PayPal donate link, and I, and I could have funded some worms for. There's, there's but, a guy. Yeah. There's a guy who advertises in Poultry Press every other month. Yes, I get Poultry Press. It's he does. It's a, a newspaper basically about the poultry shows uh, with pictures of chickens and uh, advertisers Someone and breeders. Someone subscribed him to it, and and I think then may have resubscribed because I think you're getting two now. Yeah, no, no, no. That the two stopped. I think. Oh, okay. But yeah, yeah. So yeah. Uh, Somebody subscribed him uh, to it for a year, and then as I, a, I thought as a as kind of as a joke, but I love it. Yeah, he's he's totally into yeah. it. Like every yeah. every month, I'm looking at the grand champion and what breeds are available and and what you know they're they're saying. But there's this there's this one ad, and it's always in the thing, and it's about um, heritage breeds, and it's this guy in South Carolina who's like, if you are interested in heritage breeds, email me. He's at least got the email or you know, join our group by mailing. And I'm like, my God, you need a web. Do you not have a website? Where is a website? Where can I find out more about this group? Now I need to find out more about the group, but anyway, look, I want to be doing heritage and endangered breeds when we have the space and the time after, Oh, certainly after China, but be that as it may, we, uh, but again, yeah, no, it's like, where modernize oh my god modernize yeah it, okay. it, it, anyway yeah yeah anyway so. um back to back to the letter long story short i ordered a harvard planner did some minor surgery to cut the cover down and stuffed it into my uh Kukayu notebook holder it's a little snug with the lecternum 1917 hard notebook i use but it'll work for now i see that like uh, Lecturum sells notebooks with less pages, so I'll probably order one of them since I still want somewhere to write about write out lists. Anyway, thanks for the podcast. I enjoy hearing everyone's tips and tricks, and the inspiration is great. Well, you're very welcome. And I really like the uh, Lecturum 1917 product line, uh, but again, they're all hardcovers, and I've started to move towards so more softcover stuff than hardcovers for my, like, quick notes or like the notebooks I'm taking to China so that I don't lose my good planner in a foreign country kind of thing. Um, so I, I feel you on the, yes, it is a big hardcover that is, you know, and the hardcovers are great, but if you stop using a hardcover halfway through, now you've got a hardcover, you know, so I'm, I'm finding the smaller soft covers and you can get them from a uh, lectern uh, very easily. I'm finding those a lot more versatile. So, uh, okay. Uh, thank you, Michelle. Who's next? Uh, Richard, so glad you linked to Tobias Buckel's blog post about how to use the bullet journal method. This is the first time I've been inspired to try the Bujo method. I've been using it for a week now with Tobias's modifications, and it's really been working out. I love the show. Keep up the good work. And there's a lot to be said for that since, since that article was very, very, here is the bare minimum you need. You don't need to be drawing. You don't need the fancy templates. Here is the it, it is like re-explaining it in its purity and its essence it's not at all cult-like which is very weird because we're so used to the cult-like ones uh we won't be it's still a cult oh it's still a cult um all right here we go oh this was from our episode talking about event planning and our interview with tierlin oh tierlin yes i'm listening halfway to the episode this is from patricia yes this is from patricia sorry um I'm listening halfway to the episode, so potentially I could be spamming the comment form. Sorry. But I couldn't help but laugh and cackle evilly at conference planning. 
I used to be a committee member of my county's largest countries country's largest fan convention, and boy, was that a crazy thing to be part of. The amount of things that go into planning those was madness. Tell me about it. And in some years, the planning and execution would begin before the detritus from the previous event had <laughs> had begun. Yeah. Delegation became a key issue towards the end of my time with the committee, as it took us several years to get into a rhythm we could work with, and whoever followed after we left could. It's really nice to see everyone take ownership for various sections, but trust is a really a key thing. Ah, ha, 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 ha. I am with you on that. I am, you know, that was... I learned a lot, and I, I learned a lot uh, about when planning this sort of event when to bring in different groups and different people and communication and uh, all sorts of things. Uh, also, the hotel loved us and was like, so if you want to do it again next year. Oh, that's very sweet. Very nice. I'm like, you know, we it moves around, so maybe in a couple years. But, you know, there are other events, and I know people, and I loved the hotel. For those of you who who I, I haven't actually said it, um, the Hampton Inn and Suites, Raleigh-Durham at Briar Creek – Absolutely fantastic. It was an amazing experience. They're a great hotel. I'm probably not going to link them just because uh, it's a Hampton Inn. It's the Hampton Inn in Raleigh-Durham. But they just, I mean, it was a really, really nice event and a really nice hotel. They they did solid work. Yep. And this is one of the reasons that things like this I would never get involved with. Uh, right. Because I do not delegate. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Having just said how I delegated everything to Tabatico, but that was that was different. Uh, that was that was one and done i do not have to ride it and Mm -hmm. if any uh, i think okay no the key thing there is if anything goes wrong i'm the only one who's affected right i refuse to like i have responsibility hives i (laughs) i cannot uh yeah uh no hives i yes I hate being responsible for other people's anything. I hate owing people anything. And uh, so, Ursula, why did you become a writer? Because then I only owe something to someone once a year. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Uh, Or (laughs) she said, having just had to deliver three books in three months. Yeah, but there's... um... There's extenuating extenuating circumstances. Yeah, I don't know what the hell circumstances that was. I am slowly starting to realize that that was actually a pretty brutal schedule. Yeah, like I just had agreed to it and I did it. Like it, it all got done. But I wrote over a hundred thousand words in three months, and. And one of those months was while organizing funeral stuff. And you know, you you did amazing. That uh, I I am only now unpacking that that was kind of kind of a lot. Uh, kind of a lot, and I should not be too hard on myself for the fact that now I just want to like lay in bed and play video games for a little bit. But if I it, can it, get this fluffy paladin romance out the door, yes. So I have yeah. eighteen days. Ooh. Um. I need to... All right, let me... I can finish a book in 18 days. You have. Don't kill yourself. Anyway. Boxer the horse is my Patronus. (laughs) From Vic Thor, uh, I tried to find images of the Reverend Mordemonitar or Ursula's Wombat one, but did not find them on Twitter or Instagram, will admit I could not get back to December on Ursula's. They do sound neat. Uh, Yes, if you were trying to go back uh, Mm. through Twitter... 
uh, my Twitteria is uh, sufficient. It's epic, that, yeah. That, yeah, you would you would have a lot of work. Yeah. So I just 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 for you, Victor, I took a picture of him and I posted it just now uh, with the hashtag Productivity Alchemy. It will be appearing on Instagram and Facebook and the Twitters. His little gardening gloves are so damn epic. It, it, it's mm-hmm. just, I mean, my wombat is great. I, I, I should take a photo of it, but like... Uh, yeah. Now, the part I didn't take was I didn't take a picture from the back. He's wearing a little black coat, and look at his boots. Did you see his shoes? Oh, th- those are very good little yeah. shoes, yes. But the, yeah, the gloves, the mask has a um, has both tendrils and beetles, uh, plant tendrils and beetles on it. So does <laughs> the, the hat has has beetles as well. But he's been, he's been up there. He's been my constant companion since Tierlin visited and did the interview and I was very uh, very pleased with that gift. It it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Tierlin is cool. Yeah. Um uh Carmel had written in to say that going back through the episodes list and some of them were not appearing properly. Uh I have since fixed that. So if you're going paging through the website going backwards, a couple things weren't tagged right. So they weren't showing up in the, or categorized, right? So they weren't showing up in the episode list. I fixed that and they are all showing up in order now. Thank you for letting us know. Thank you very much for for letting us know. Yes. Uh, Let's see. There we go. Um, There were some problems with the episode 86 badge that uh, both Nancy and Damien wrote in to tell me. I fixed that as well. So if you were trying to claim the episode... Uh, 86 badge uh, and couldn't, well, you can now. Uh, also, yeah, and here's the yay, it worked post from both of them because I, yeah. All right, so Dino, the the Dino, this one is spam. I believe that is spam. That yes. is spam, yeah. Uh, so I'm just going to take that one out of the list. Um, the episode about getting an interview with Dino got a lot of, a lot of, a lot of positive response. Um, I don't need to read all of it. And then the episode I did with Laura uh, got a lot big, uh, a tome as, as Dino is want to write. Thank you, Dino. I do owe you a response by the way. Um, but Laura was very appreciative of everything you had to say as well. I cannot read that one on air without taking another hour. <laughs> Dino, uh, Dino and I both have, um, a little bit of the we we can get a little long at the at the talk or at the email or whatever, but it's always good stuff. And and Dino just sent me some videos, and I should have a link for that somewhere in here. To go back yeah, I'll go one. back to that one. Uh, that that I'm gonna play that he says are very very soothing and relaxing and great to watch. So I'm uh, I'll pull that up after we're done with this. So. Um, but on talking about getting an interview from Rick's was where I live. The unemployment benefit requirement is 20 job applications per month, plus other required activities that are supposed to get the recipient work ready. Actual help finding a job would be useful. Yeah. You know, and a lot of a lot of what happens in North Carolina and other states is, yes, it's a lot more about finding you the job. They're not doing there. There isn't as much about getting you ready for work. Right. So if you're cha- if you've changed fields or if you're having to go into something you don't have experience at, there's a lot of we can get you, we can help you find the job, but there isn't a oh, you don't necessarily have all the skills. Well, good luck. Well, and yeah. I I think that uh, the, this letter they're having the opposite problem. The, yeah. The work skills things there. It's just mm-hmm. that you know they're not helping find a job. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a lot of it, honestly, a lot of the unemployment system is 
punitive. It's right. Yeah. It's we're it's not so much that we're helping you find a job as if you want any help, we will punish you for not having a job by you know making you jump through all of these hoops to prove you are a good person who deserves it. It's back to the. And I don't think I've ran it on here about this yet. I know I have on KUEC. It's back to the American Milton Hershey. No, no the uh, the Protestant work ethic in America. The idea that your moral value, your value as a human being, is all about whether or not you are working and making a living, and that being poor is not just a personal fa- is is not a a is not viewed as circumstance, is not viewed as a systematic problem. You must have done something to deserve it. You did something to deserve it because you are poor because you are immoral. You are wrong in some way. But, and the, it's, there's a lot of that throughout our society. And so all of our, our institutions are sort of wrapped up in that idea. Well, and you get the two competing camps, which is, the this is like the drug testing welfare recipients kind of thing or the the welfare fraud people mm-hmm. there is a whole segment of society that would rather everyone starve than someone get a meal who didn't deserve it right and as far as they're concerned everyone no one deserves it anyone who isn't working and earning a living deserves to starve and i think that's well, uh, not necessarily that, because I'll be like, okay, yes, you, maybe you you have to be the right kind of poor. And, so white. Uh, well, that obviously that, pro- but you know, and and disabled and a single mother who came to Jesus and was hit by a truck. I don't know. There, there's yeah. they have this ideal poor person in their head, mm-hmm. and uh, who is, and if you deviate from that, you're probably cheating the system, and they they don't care how many people suffer as long as no one who doesn't deserve it gets anything. It's like, it's the difference between, um, like, frankly, okay, take, take, uh, uh, panhandlers. Right. Like I will, I will give five bucks to the guy, the street court. Well, okay. You know, what if he's not really, uh, out of work veteran? So fucking what? You know, okay, then mm-hmm. then I gave five bucks to somebody who wasn't, as opposed to, you know... Uh, the poor yeah. guy who was standing there saying, out of work veteran, and had to have had to have his military ID, holding it up with was his sign. Was attached to his sign because yeah. people had given... Because uh, he knew people had given him shit about it. And it's yeah. like, I would, you know, I, I would rather, like, I not pass over the person who needs it than... If it means somebody gets five bucks who is maybe not, you know, in direst poverty, so what? It's still five bucks. And the thing is that – and I'm, I may – you may have to stop me if I get too far into this one. There's this thing when we talk about the Protestant work ethic and that you must be wrong if you're poor that goes back to the earliest days of Christianity, to, the, to Judaism before it, that Christ specifically said – you, there will be poor and you must care for them. Not you must care for the right ones, which is what the Pharisees were doing. You must care for the sick, but not, not just the right, and I'm putting that in air quotes, sick, but all the sick, right? The Pharisees who wouldn't treat 
Oh, you know, Pharisees would not be down with AIDS today. Yeah, no, uh, yeah. but they but they were, you know, they're also, well, you know, this poor person is poor, uh, you know, are they really deserving of this? And uh, all of this wraps into Old Testament theology and philosophy that is complete bullshit. Um I get very worked up about this. Yes, I'm, um, I'm noticing. We are all getting worked up about yeah. this. But yes. So so side effect. Also, the other thing is I, I just read uh, Jamie White's The Very Worst Missionary. Jamie writes The Very Worst Missionary, where she starts poking holes in uh, the Protestant missionary theory of where you go and you bring people to Jesus and then it's all great. And it's not actually helping any of the problems you're supposed to be solving. Uh, yeah. I have a lot to say about yeah. missionaries and I don't think any of it is kind. And all of it uh, would probably be in agreement with what she literally experienced as a missionary yes yeah um okay so <clears throat> now, Moving that, on. now that that's out of my system um well at least for five minutes it never gets out of our systems for long no um here we go uh comment 88 episode homework uh, this one's from Mira. Haven't listened to all of this yet, but pause to let you know that my husband has had the cholera vaccine twice and had no problems either time. Uh, good for him. I had mm -hmm. abdominal pain. For, um, I, I had a day of weird ass, like, there's no nice way to say this. I had, like, complicated gas, I think. But, right. But, or maybe it was just abdominal pain because it didn't really feel like it. Also, didn't you have female... Yes, issues. I was also, the Red Army was in town at the time, mm -hmm. and so everything was like, it was a rich tapestry of laying in bed praying for death, which yes. is another reason I was not terribly productive. Yet you still managed to knock out how many words every day? Oh, probably not as many as I should have. And you gardened. Well, there comes a point where you're in pain and you're not going to be any less in pain if you're out getting plants on the ground. So you might as well go out and pull some weeds because, I mean, you're still going to be in pain. At least this way there'll be fewer weeds. That's fair. I, I, I can respect that. It's like when I'm sick and lying in bed and then I'm next thing you know, I'm jotting down notes or I'm researching something. You know, I've if I'm going to be miserable, I might as well be productively miserable. Uh, See also Protestant work ethic internalized. Some of it, I mean, some of it is also the work from home thing where you're just, I'm at home, and unless I literally can't get out of bed, I might as well work, right? That's part of why I'm more productive as a remote employee is because I will take sick days, but not as many as I would if I had the risk of infecting people at an office. Okay. Uh, let's see, what do we got here? Uh, another comment on the interview with Dino. This one's from Patricia. Um, this episode was such a hoot to listen to, and I was roaring when Dino said he even spreadsheeted his resume. That should be a verb by now. Oh no, I'm, I'm with you. And, and a couple of the interviews I've got coming up that I've pre-recorded for the next month and a half or so, uh, do talk about doing spreadsheets in things. It's pretty cool. I just wanted to point out that most jobs should have an on-the-spot take or take-home exam to showcase technical skills. I'm actually pretty wary of places where they don't because it gives me the feeling they don't know what they want. Exceptions, of course, for places where they're just setting up the team. But even in those cases, um, my day job is copywriting, so not only are writing samples essential, they're usually also followed up by a short test of some sort. I've been in quite a few places where the copywriter can't even string a decent sentence in their hired language, and in some cases, simply flat-out copy-paste their samples from the web. Ooh. On the flip side, there are places whose writing tests are nothing more than them getting free content, and yes, there are companies where I come from where that is an actual thing because it's cheaper to edit in-house than it is to hire an actual writer to work full-time, a certain local bubble tea company is famous for this. Oof. 
Sorry, I just had to rant a bit. I'm still listening to the episode. Ha ha. So we are here for ranting. Yeah. Now there, there are a couple different kinds of technical interviews. I want to, I want to write about, I uh, talk about one is the whiteboarding exercise, quote unquote. And oftentimes when you're in a technical interview and they want you to whiteboard out how you would solve a problem, they don't want code. They want to understand the thought process, right? Now someone, and occasionally, uh, depending on the company and more often than not, that is often used as the, the easy reject. Well, he didn't do well on the whiteboarding. And in some places it's even been known that the person who you're doing the whiteboarding for is using it as an excuse to make sure you're not as good as they are or perceived as good as they are as, as a threat. There's, there's a lot of politics that goes into whiteboarding right and wrong. And a lot of companies do it wrong. I actually don't have any problems with whiteboarding as long as I don't have to write actual code. I might write mock code. That is, it's kind of like mock Swedish. It's like, ding, ding, try this. Hing, bing, 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 if else. Um, you know, I'll just, I'll, I'll mark up where I would make those decision trees, but I won't use, I won't be like doing real code. Um, I still tell you, mm-hmm. someday for a whiteboard, just walk in, right? This is a solved problem. Control C, Control X. <laughs> so <laughs> the walkout. Well, but that's I mean okay, that don't walk out. But that's what you're doing most of the time. Right. Someone else already fixed it. You just need to know how to find it. Right, and uh, oftentimes when they talk about specific algorithms, like please whiteboard a bubble sort. Now, honestly, I can't whiteboard a bubble sort. That's what Google's for. I'm not a classically trained programmer. I have no college skills. I didn't take classes on this is how you write a bubble sort. Th- that is that is a case where they're looking for a specific test just to it's it's like you know here's the written exam and if you don't know the answers you don't pass it's like that's how is that applicable to the job at hand there are cases of companies coming in and saying how would you solve this problem and then taking furious notes because you were basically solving the problem for them those cases are not as common as the companies who just want to know how you think so like when i did the one uh uh, pair coding session for the one company I interviewed with. He, he, I was, he asked me to talk out every decision. Okay. Why did you do that? Why did you do that? He was trying to understand how I thought and how I was putting it together. And if that was going to be a good fit, right? He knew I knew the scripting language, right? I had that experience. He knew that he was looking more at how, what that decision process is. Why am I making the calls or doing the things I'm doing? Not just if I do X, Y, and Z, it works. It, it was, it's the, what was it? Uh, Jacob got dinged on a test for not showing his work. Oh God, I used to hate that. Right? Those. Yeah, and that's that's really what a lot of it is: is show your work so we know how you got there. And the thing is mm-hmm. that I hated showing my work because the truth was my work was get the last digit of the number and check the multiple choice. <laughs> There's the last digit of the answer. Because if only one of them ended nine and the last digit I came up with was nine, I didn't need to work out the rest of the problem. I just had to pick the one with nine. It didn't uh okay, I can I can see that on things like the the standardized test, but this was, you know, actual math. Here is Oh yeah, I used to get screwed up on that too. They were yeah. like, show your work. I'm like, no, no. I refuse. Yeah, and long division by hand is a useful skill, but once you have the principles, you don't need to show your work because you're doing it all in their head. They just, I, I yeah. used to I used to make fake work 
uh, for like, you know, when we have to do a quadratic equation, I'd write down a couple like, you know, fake things or I just write the problem out and then like scribble some stuff because, and also I failed math. So, <laughs> and that's why I don't do it anymore and you can't make me. And all those teachers who said, you'll have to use this in life. You lied. You lied like rugs. The only time I have ever used any of that in life is playing D&D. Other than that, the Pythagorean theorem has gotten me through everything else. Whereas for me, solving for X or trying to reverse it has been very handy because I'm engineering and reverse engineering. I can solve engineering. for X. I just yeah. can't do like, you know, can you do the quadratic equation? Um, can you even remember the quadratic equation? Not really. Neither can I. Yeah. Okay. So fuck that shit. Yeah. I'm sure it's ingrained somewhere that it works. Now it's unconscious, but I, I couldn't state it. I can do Pythagoras in a heartbeat. The pi- no, that the, the, which the, is different. There, I, sweetie, there's no world where the quadratic equation is ingrained and unconscious for you. <laughs> okay, that's that's fair. <clears throat> I, I will pull it up right now. Please do. Meanwhile, we will, we will move on to this letter from Catherine. Uh, hi, Kevin. I'm getting caught up on Productivity Alchemy, and I think you might be interested in the Ask a Mortician YouTube channel. The host, Caitlin Darty, is a mortician in Los Angeles, and she has videos about preparing for death, as well as videos about historic deaths and death practices. She also has a podcast called Death in the Afternoon, which has just started its second season. There, that's the quadratic equation. Uh, AX squared plus BX plus C equals... No, no, not that bit. The the quadratic formula with the square root of... Yeah, why the fuck would I need to know that? Exactly! What did B squared ever do for you? Yeah. Carrying on. Carrying on, yeah. So, uh, Ask a Mortician, I'll link that. Because it looks like fun. Uh, and I might have to give it a listen. I I probably ought to download a whole bunch of podcasts before we get on the airplane. We're going to be on airplanes and travel. There's a lot of travel involved. I'm I am actually getting to the point where I am hoarding books. I am I'm picking up new series. I uh, I found uh, the author Tessa Dare who writes uh, very charming, funny romance Regency romances, and she has a whole series I have not touched. And I am just going to buy the entire series on Kindle. Oh, that's why this was... Yeah, okay, because the email, it didn't pop up like it's supposed to. So, from Dino, um, I've become addicted to this guy in France who makes cooking videos. More so than that, he's like your traditional definition of a Renaissance man. He loves to cook. He likes to draw. He likes to build things. He ponders problems and tries to come up with novel solutions. And all of that, he's put up on a channel in short 10-minute snippets. So, yes, absolutely. And he never has just one pot on the simmer. Dude's using all four burners, the extra induction unit you got on Amazon, because that one time on Thanksgiving you needed extra stock, and now you use it more than your stove. Oh, God. Uh, Can we get one of those induction units? Kevin. Okay, sorry, sorry. There's one series where he's talking about the grocery bag situation, which struck me as really cool, is that he goes ham which I don't know, on explaining how he thinks about a problem and then does research before jumping in. It has all the tenets of your show, have a clear idea what you need to do, fail fast and fail often, celebrate your successes, figure out what went wrong, and use that information on the next try. Um, There's a link, so I, I will certainly post the link. I figured you being something of a renaissance man yourself between the building of the custom chicken coop complete with automation and the cooking and the fanboying out about pens and the hundreds of things you and Ursula enjoy doing. It's so cool. I figured you might enjoy this. I think he's pretty cool, too. I figured you might enjoy this particular series, as would the listeners. And the bonus is that this particular series recently wrapped up so the listeners can see start to finish. Also... 
what is this binge watch series here? Let me just bring that up real quick so I know what it is. Um, uh, Le Rezani, uh, Italian chef's reactions to the most popular videos worldwide. So is he, what? Is there a perfect recipe for Bolognese ragu on the web? The third episode of the series today, the most viewed Italian recipes in the world, takes us to Bologna to find out. So, oh, so he's watching... He watches these recipe. Oh, wow. Okay, hold on. Yeah, I've been binge watching the series on it. Some Italian chefs from some of the top most Italian restaurants in Italy watch and react to the most popular YouTube video showing how to make a dish from their region. Not only is it freaking funny, they then go on to show you how they actually make it in their region. Spoiler, garlic gets used surprisingly less than one would expect. And then the five star variations that they make to turn up the volume on it. Um P.S. The interview was a riot. I really do swear a lot, don't I? Dude, <laughs> you're in Jersey. Jersey. I don't fucking know a person in Jersey who doesn't punctuate every fucking sentence with the word fuck. No, it's cool, dude. No, it's it fucking hysterical is what it is. We love it. Um, so, yeah. Uh, there will be links. There will be links. Let me uh, let me go ahead and put this in the right, in the proper folder. And yeah, no, uh, the reason some of this is out of whack is... I was using Sanebox migrations and I broke Sanebox. So I'm, I'm actually waiting to hear back from Sanebox, but I did a thing and now Sanebox is like, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're fixing this problem. Do you want to cancel your subscription? Like, no, I don't want to cancel my subscription. I tell me how to fix it. I need my Sanebox back, but it would probably be easier for them if you canceled it. <laughs> <laughs> Can I get my money back? Because I had paid for a two-year subscription, so I got another year on that sucker. They, 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 sweetie, the thing is, if they give you her money back, they don't have to fix the problem, so it would probably be much easier, because I'm sure you've broken it in some remarkably unique fashion. Uh, yeah, it is, it is, it is. I believe, reasonably new. Uh, although I sent them a support tickets. This is what I did. This is what I think broke it. Can you please just reset it? Do I, Can I reset the migration and start over? Can I do it differently this time? That may, you know, I haven't heard back yet. I just looked over at your thing that keeps showing headlines. Yeah, and yeah, saw mostly from Boing Boing. Easy to install bidet is a game changer. Yeah, Boing Boing has some interesting things about bidets, I gotta say. Uh, yeah. Uh, hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. moving on. Yeah. Moving on. So that's all the letters I've got. Okay. Um, one thing I will note is, uh, Alicia, we're going to be talking. Wait, wait, go back one. What was the artist Laura's episode was great. This is, this is, yeah, you no, should keep go, go down. Go oh, down. there it is. There, there it is. Yeah. 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 No, this is, Oh, that was another frame from, uh, from that was, Dino. that was from Dino. And I, I want you to notice that Dino, we love you. I, I'm not going to be able to read that entire letter. I sent it to Laura and Laura, what she said is I'm so glad it went over well. And damn, if you ever start that business, if I can ever afford it, I want one of you. Uh, well, so well, the business it? in question was, um, uh, listening. Oh, here we go. Um, being able to ring up Dino's art handler hotline and say, hi, my wife needs to draw 400 hamsters in the next three weeks and needs someone to human for her and have someone at your office the next day that I've vetted and know that can handle it. That assistant would show up and be like, okay, I'll go get your cleaning person to come clean, schedule your dentist appointment and refill all the toilet paper and all the bathrooms. I'll also go through your emails and categorize, prioritize them and then file them in categories. Anything I can answer, I will. Anything else will go over when you get a sec would be priceless. 
midway they'd be like i brought you ham oh, hope that's okay yes i am yeah. sold yeah dino yeah uh someday p.s someday when ursula becomes rich and famous and needs an assistant who cooks and cooks well if i do say so myself let a bitch know I if for no other it. reason than to pet your doggies and look at your chickens and listen to the two of you ramble on about potatoes seriously that potato <laughs> rant is the best i'd enjoy just hanging out after work for drinks i uh, one of these days we got to go to jersey city and hang out with dino it's, it's on my list it really is um i and this is the first time that i think anyone in history has said going to jersey city is on their list i've been i've been multiple times it's not i've, I've jersey city and i are, are old acquaintances it's newark <laughs> newark i could do without uh, Honestly, I don't dislike the Newark airport as much as I used to. I used to hate it, mm-hmm. but I don't know if I went to a good terminal or they updated the terminal or what. Because, but I, or maybe I just started realizing that air travel was easier if I would just went to the bar. <laughs> I tell you, who, yeah. I tell you who has really improved that the Minneapolis airport has gone. Oh my god! Yes. like so high tech. Like they have the these like every seat has an iPad tablet thing at mm-hmm. it, and you poke it, and you can order food without having to talk that's, to a person. That's only in like Terminal Four. Okay, well that but terminal, still. that's a good terminal. Yeah, no, that's that one's the new. They they are retrofitting it to other to the rest and of them. And they're like, yeah, okay what flight are you on and you you tell you, you tell it what flight you're on and it'll just tell you how long till your flight so you know when you have to leave mm-hmm. oh yeah and no. it's like 30 minutes to your flight leaves you know and i'm and would you like more sushi and i'm like yes yes this is this yeah. is this is good yes it's it's expensive not gonna lie because it's airport food prices but it's good food and it's it's great service yeah. i i do like yeah, but that. you only have to buy the one thing of sushi then you can sit there for four hours i know right yes mm. And then after four hours, you want more sushi. But anyway, the anyway. moral of the story is that the Minneapolis Airport Terminal, go you. Yeah. I, um, I'm also, because I've probably been spending a little too much time in it, I'm starting to really, if not enjoy, not be mad at the Detroit Airport. <laughs> Which one? Um, the the main Detroit, okay. DTW. The one we're going through on our way to China. Oh, goody. Yeah. Um, we are not going through Minneapolis. We're, going through, we're, we're meeting Foxfeather and Mbala in Detroit. So we will be seeing once more your fine city from the air and the airport. But it's cool. The airport and I are old friends there now, especially after the six hours I spent on my way to Chicago due to weather. Um, also, the Del- I told you about the Kiss concert. I heard yeah, there. yeah, yeah. The uh, also the Delta, um, the, the Delta uh, paying for the Delta lounge on that one trip, where I it might have cost money, but it was like six hours in a space where everyone was being quiet yeah six and, uh, the mm-hmm. thing is i'm not yeah. uh, you have like i have the lounge and i'm like i don't care we're going to be there for 30 minutes six hours that's another you matter. know our our, lay, our layovers are a little longer than yeah well i'll show you in a little bit but yeah the those yeah don't show me now it's still like two and a half weeks away so it's not real and i don't have to worry about it that's fine yeah so anyway uh those are all the links those are all the letters i want to thank Dino. Always thank Dino. Dino's so awesome. And Patricia and Catherine and Mira and Damien and Nancy and uh, Carmel and Victor and Michelle and Mira. And Patricia. And Patricia. I No, it's the same Patricia. Oh, okay. Well, we're doubly thanking. Thank you again, yes. Patricia. Yeah. Um, so for their comments, I will thank you again probably in a minute when I'm going through the ending bits of the episode, which we'll talk about right after this.
And we are back. Ursula has gone off to continue packing because packing is apparently what we're doing. And so this week's badge code is packing. As noted on prior episodes, we give away Mozilla open badges for listening. All you have to do is listen to the end of the episode. We give you a badge code. You enter that badge code on the productivityalchemy.com and you get a nice little image with metadata to say how you earned it, where it came from, things like that. It's pretty awesome and a lot of people like it. I also have some special badges for Inbox Zero, for uh, having failed and tried again, for trying something new. There is also um, a special badge. Everyone who gets interviewed on the show gets the special badge. And if I haven't sent you the code yet, um, drop me a note because I'm forgetful like that. Anyway, so all those, those are, they're really cool. And you can get the badge for this week by entering the word packing into the, into the little form. I want to thank Catherine, Patricia, Mira, Dino, Ricks, Damien, Nancy, Carmel, Victor, Michelle, and I've got Mira down twice, and I should have Patricia down twice for their letters this past month. If I missed yours, I'm very sorry. The whole filtering, changing email servers has me a little out of whack, but um, by next month, we will have that sorted, I sincerely hope, uh, and for that you know, I will maybe be talking about how that all went once it's actually settled. Anyway, you can support us either by sharing the episodes, by liking the episodes, by telling your friends about the episodes, by retweeting when we post the new episode is out. All that's great forms of support. If you feel like you want to give us money, and by all means, this is optional, purely optional. Uh, you can either give money to us through Patreon, patreon.com slash Ursula V, which supports all three of our podcasts. This one, Kevin and Ursula Eat Cheap and The Hidden Almanac. It also pays for the medicines we need in order to eat the foods we do on um, KUEC, as well as the occasional office supply and equipment upgrades. Like the microphone that I'm using right now is paid for by uh, Patreon. And, you know, and a lot of the recording equipment is, has been paid for by the Patreon over time. And I'm really grateful for that because without it, this show would be nowhere near as good as it is. You can also buy me a coffee, ko-fi.ksunny.com slash ksunny. Um, I live off of coffee. Coffee is like, my melange spice um coffee is life no i'm not really but also the coffee donations also go towards things like uh the occasional new planner to review and also over time upgrades and things like that so uh, and everybody who does that i'm very thankful there is a special supporter badge for coffee uh, for yeah ko-fi whether you're a one-time donor or recurring donor, you get the, the nice badge that says, hey, I support productivity alchemy on coffee. So thank you so much. Or actually, it says bought Kevin a coffee. So thank you so much for that. And then uh, finally, like I said, um, you know, thank you everyone just for listening. And thank you to all of the guests who have been interviewed but are airing while we're going to be out of country. We are in the big countdown towards leaving. And we are also now 11 episodes away from two years and episode 100. This is a big milestone. I'm really excited. I did not believe it would go this far when we started. And I just want to thank everybody in advance. You're going to hear that a lot over the next 10 episodes for all of your support and for listening in your letters and all that crap. 
So thanks a lot, guys. Uh, we will talk to you next week. And in the meantime, stay productive.